This is SD Hudson Magic. This is the final episode in my first ever romantic sleep story. It has been written for all those listening who have followed Jake and Rebecca since the very beginning. Thank you for listening and join me as we see them for the last time in those little towns in the Scottish Highlands far, far away from where you may be listening. But before we begin, let's take the time to focus on where we are now. It is time to relax and fully let go. Take a deep breath in through your nose. And let it out on a long sigh. That's it. This is your time and your place. A time in which you can feel free to be the person you are meant to be. And here we are in Fort Denning, where Rebecca has just received some wonderful news. I'm so happy things have worked out, Sam. It's going to be amazing. Well, there was no way we could go ahead until you were better, said Sam. I want you to feel comfortable, Rebecca. And scaling things down suits us both fine. Fort Denning's a wonderful place for a wedding. And Jamie doesn't want a big affair any more than I do. It'll be just the few of us. Your mum's been so generous to let us celebrate on the farm, and Jamie's over the moon with the theme. She's a real country girl at heart, you know. She's even considered wearing her cowboy boots. Rebecca smiled. She could just see it now. Sam turning up in a flamboyant retro number, with Jamie by her side in a crisp three-piece suit. I must admit, it's been lovely having something like this to focus on. A winter wedding, and on Boxing Day too. Mum and I have been so busy already, just wait till you see what we've got in store. It's going to be the wedding of the century. And what better people to organise it, said Sam. I remember just how great the Festival of Lights turned out, you got a knack for organising things, Rebecca. 
and this is the perfect opportunity to get your teeth into. Not that you need much more, now you're planning on training to be a teacher. Congratulations, by the way. That's a perfect job for you. Just look how Armit turned out with his piano. Thanks, Sam. I've not stopped in the last couple of weeks. Mum was right, though. Keeping busy is good for me. I can hear it in your voice. You sound so different. I can't wait to see you. Are you getting nervous? Yeah. But Jamie's parents are brilliant. I was frightened they wouldn't be on board with the idea at first, but us getting married is just what they want, they said. When we met, they told me we're the perfect match and they've always dreamed of having two daughters. Can you believe it? I'm so happy, Rebecca. If only we'd known where we were headed when we sat down together in that basement nearly a year ago. At this, the line went quiet. Rebecca, you still there? Sam could have kicked herself, her and her big mouth. She tried her best not to mention anything that could be associated with Jake Fairmore, but now here she was, sticking her foot right in it. Guess I'm here. We have come a long way, that's for sure. Rebecca ran her fingers across the long, pale line that ran down her cheek. Over the weeks, it had become less and less angry. But it would never fade completely. The memory of Fort Scott Lake was etched on her, whether she liked it or not. There's the door. I better go. She declared, eager to stop this where it started. Oh, okay. I'll call you at the weekend then. About the dress? Sure, no problem. See you then, Sam. See you. Rebecca sat back. Breathe, she said to herself as she took in the space around her. It was a large entrance for a log cabin. Its grand double doors had been set with forged hinges, rivets and rungs. Henry Trigoran had a great eye for detail, even if he had struggled to hang them. But heavy wooden doors match the cladding, he declared. And every respectable log cabin should have a grand entrance. Rebecca smiled to herself. Her father always thought big. A prince on pauper's money, he'd once joked. But nothing was ever too much for his family. If he could make it or grow it, it would be theirs. Daddy, I wish you were here now. And there it was again, rushing into her chest to bury itself in her demise. It was as though every cell shook, every muscle lost its strength. To the casual observer, Rebecca's body appeared calm, but secretly she was gripping onto the sides of a tiny boat in a tumultuous sea. Please let this stop. She began to count. 
This was home, remember, and everything was just the same as it had always been. The rugged stag's head mounted above the double doors. That was one. Father found him asleep up in the mountains when she was little, and brought him home as testimony to the glory of the natural world. 2. The Antique Sideboard Mother had scrimped and scraped for this, after spotting its mahogany sheen in McElroy's window. Rebecca knew each one of the carved animals by name and had often fancied them come alive to dance in the moonlight ring cast through the stained glass window cut into the far wall. 3. The crease in the wallpaper which refused to sit flat. 4. The chip in the skirting board where her wheelchair had given it a dig. 5. The fruit bowl refilled with fresh winter clementines. and 6. The letter rack filling up with Christmas cards. She counted the gaps between the floorboards. 7. 8. 9. And each knot set deep into the wooden rafters. Ten, eleven, twelve, and all at once she was back, back to reality. No more Scots Lake Towers, no more living alone. It was over. Was that Sam? Mrs. Tregoran bustled out of the kitchen her heart-shaped face framed with heavy curlers. Is everything okay? Yes, Mum, smiled Rebecca weakly. Sam's very excited. I just hope we can live up to the expectation. Mrs. Tregoran sat down next to her daughter. You okay, love? It's not too much for you, is it, organising the wedding? No, I'm just having a moment, that's all. She looked into her mother's eyes. That new palette suits you. The wine colour sets off your green eyes. Thanks, love. I want to be prepared. There'll be no time for it when the big day gets closer, and I've got a reputation to keep. Rebecca looked closer. Her mother had always been pretty. Homely and pretty. Time had not changed that. I'll just go and put the kettle on. Nothing better than a cup of tea to fix things. Then we'll try some of that organic salmon we got yesterday. Smoke with cream cheese is what Sam ordered. So let's see if we can't exceed her expectations, shall we? Okay, Mum. Mrs. Tregoran escaped to the kitchen and thought carefully about what to do next. She'd been toying with the idea for some days now. Rebecca had come to a crossroads and she needed a reason to stay on the right path. These bouts of reflection were becoming more and more frequent. They even kept Rebecca awake at night, unable to sleep. It was time to make the move, to change the narrative. She'd been to her husband's grave for divine intervention, 
and he told her there was only one way to do that. So she picked up the phone and checked her missed calls. Good. He called last night. He was still as keen as ever. Now let's see if that boy would finally put his money where his mouth was. Over in Fort Scott Lake, Cartwright Industries was gearing up for the festive season. Outside, the old town bell struck the hour with unusual clarity, and through the vast windows of his first floor office, Jake noticed the square had been cleared of the traffic that drowned it out day after day. He watched the busy shoppers bustle in and out, whilst a group of gruff men hoisted a magnificent pine to standing with an old tow rope. Fog and frost nipped at the noses of the youngsters stopping to stare, whilst billows of chestnut smoke gathered around them. Christmas was coming, and for just a moment, Jake longed to be a little boy again. Only this time he would be dressed like those boys, the boys from Fenmore Prep. How different things would have been. He'd be chauffeur to school, practice rugby at the weekends and spend his holidays on the continent with a rich father and rich friends. And yet, if he had lived this life, he would never have met Rebecca Dragoran. Coloured or yellow? asked John Cartwright as he entered the office to join his son's side. Coloured, said Jake. Let's brighten this place up a bit, shall we? The call was made and rainbow bulbs were strung from post to post for the beginning of Advent. Either side of the grand entrance, large wreaths were hung with cinnamon sticks, dried fruits and winter berries laced between pine fronds and wine-coloured ribbon. The cartwright columns were swathed with red chiffon and hung with large gold bows, in father and son's mission to brighten up the square. Later the town folk would see fair rides and a Christmas show before the resident craft market set up for the season. This would be a Christmas to remember. Not least of all because at last Jake had been given the green light. All he needed now was the opportunity. He knew Rebecca was fragile and he was ashamed to admit it was partly down to him, but he could not afford to dwell on that. He must remain confident, even if he was terrified she would refuse him, and she had so many reasons to, he knew that. He turned to face his empire. He must stay positive, it was time to be the man he professed to being, and that meant risking rejection again. 
Well, so be it, if that was what it took to make Rebecca realize he was serious, that is what he must do. It was time. Not even Olivia could dampen his resolve now. She'd been unusually quiet, which was a blessing. He'd like to think she'd been humbled by her suspended prison sentence, but whether or not that was true, he had seen neither hide nor hair of her since she'd moved out to the lodge. She was obviously counting her blessings and deciding to lie low, lest the old man disinherit her completely. Let Olivia have the house, if that's what you think's right, Jake insisted to his father one night. Not that we need to discuss that now, Dad. That new wardrobe and F-type have taken twenty years off you. Aye, there's life in this old dog yet, John Cartwright joked back. But he disagreed with his son about the future of Cartwright Manor. This was his home, he said, and Olivia would not be inheriting it. He'd still look after her, of course. He saw little chance of her making a successful marriage, let alone a career of her own. But she would not be permitted to have anything to do with Cartwright Industries. Instead, she would receive a monthly allowance in Cartwright Lodge, so she would no longer have to concern herself with somewhere to live. Standing on its own acreage, a couple of miles away, John Cartwright considered it more than fair in the circumstances. But Olivia had still complained. No matter. He'd done the right thing by her mother, and now it was time to put the past where it belonged and look to the future. With any luck, Jake would provide him with many heirs, and Cartwright Manor would go on to house many more generations of the Cartwright clan. From what Jake had said, he had big plans this Christmas. All that remained was to see if they came to fruition. Whatever happened, John Cartwright was determined to remain by his son's side every step of the way. Weeks passed, and over in Fort Denning, the locals settled into the routine of clearing driveways checking snow tyres, and allowing extra time for any journeys they might take. Early morning flurries filtered through the air like fine thread woven into silk cloth. And by the time the sun reached the highest point in the sky, they lay like soft blankets upon the lonely mountain paths and wild, twisted roads that wound through the hillsides as far as the eye could see. December had passed busily as Decembers generally do, and before Rebecca knew it, Christmas Day was upon the Tregoran household. Only this time, it was a simple affair shared on blankets beneath the tree with a sentimental exchange of handmade gifts and happy memories. 
Later that afternoon, Mother Trigoran announced the roast turkey, and they settled down to a festive film, making sure to retire early that night in preparation for Boxing Day and the wedding that lay ahead. Lying in her bed, Rebecca gazed out of her gable window to the mountains beyond. The sky was as black as coal, but now and then tiny sparks shot through to remind her she was not alone. She thanked the heavens for her mother and everything she did, especially this Christmas, and sent love to her father and his sister, reunited once more in the stars gathering to listen. Tomorrow promised to be a big day, so now it was time for Rebecca to rest. Boxing Day dawned bright and cold, with fresh clusters of icicles that sparkled in the morning sun. But no dark clouds, just pure white snow. Perfect. No sooner had Rebecca finished her cup of tea then the team arrived to transform her into the bridesmaid Sam was expecting her to be. She felt unsure at first. It had been some time since she'd worn makeup for fear of any damage it might cause or delay in her healing. If the truth be known, Rebecca had been too scared to hope she could ever feel like herself again. It was only because of the photos on her phone from McGinty's bar. She could believe she hadn't always looked this way. Two long hours later, and the ladies were finally satisfied. Rebecca had been tugged and straightened, pulled and ironed, and now she was ready. In appearance, at least. Then in walked Mrs. Tregoran with a bran muffin, looking very much the glamorous host. Wow, Mum, you look beautiful, Rebecca gushed. You girls really know what you're doing, don't you? Mrs. Tregoran said nothing. Instead, she sat down next to her daughter and let the tears flow. And when at last they stopped for fear of them never being able to stop again, Rebecca said, Now we're going to have to start all over again. She handed her mother a tissue and walked over to the large bay window. The freestanding mirror was known for its honesty. It was time to see what all the tears were about. And gazing at the woman who looked back at her, Rebecca began to weep too. Only these were tears of surprise. Silent, painless tears of relief, in fact, because she really could go on to be a teacher after all, and maybe even get married herself one day. But let's not get ahead of ourselves, she muttered, as she gathered together the pink underskirts and frosted tulle. Sam was right. Dusty pink was her colour. She straightened the matching bodice and tugged at her long, fingerless gloves. Rebecca liked the delicate embroidery. 
It sat softly against her pale skin and matched the thin string of freshwater pearls she had inherited from her aunt. She shook her head gently to test the long red twists that ran coil-like down her back. They had been dressed with tiny jeweled butterflies and coiffured to perfection. Good, everything was now in place. Time flew by that morning with all the excitement and vivacity one could expect from such an occasion. A couple of the neighbours came in to help lay out the food, and a couple more to clear the driveway. Glasses were polished, chairs arranged, and napkins placed strategically. There would be no more than fifteen guests, which was just as well for it had been a while since Rebecca had seen that many people all in one go. But perhaps she could make a go of it now. In the sunroom, a large bower of crocheted flowers had been erected, underneath which Sam and Jamie would exchange vows. Cream-coloured cords were threaded through fine tulle, with golden tassels to complement whilst clusters of white roses collected at the peak, interwoven with pearls and gold beads. This was to be unlike any other wedding, tailor-made for Sam's quirky style and Jamie's originality. And all at once the horse and cart was there with the happy couple, along with a cavalcade of special guests. The ceremony was a short but joyous one, with much laughter and sing-song. Then, when all vows were exchanged and pleasantries complete, the two brides left for the back porch and the photos, which were to be set against the winter backdrop. Rebecca watched from inside. She was pleased, and yet a little sad. It was over. Her best friend was married, and she'd been left behind. She'd had such big dreams all those months ago, in the foyer of Scott Lake Towers. But now here she was, touching up someone else's display, as she watched them smile and wave. She plucked a fallen rose from underneath the arch and waved back. Roses had always been her favourite flowers. They'd even grown in clusters round her old flat. I think you'll find this is more your colour, Rebecca. Voices again, now. She thought she was over this. This isn't real, Rebecca, she said to herself. Just find a seat and you'll be fine. She turned reluctantly to walk back down the temporary aisle. Everything would be okay as long as she could get to her favourite chair. But to her horror, there stood Jake Fairmore, blocking the way in his thick Celtic coat, dusted with a recent snowfall from his long journey. All strength left Rebecca's body, 
This couldn't be real, could it? The room began to close in. Why couldn't she just forget him? She'd done what everyone expected. She wobbled, buckled, then fell backwards into the rose-filled arch. Jake leapt forwards, desperate to save her from whatever it was she was feeling, but he was too late. Oh God, it's too much for her, yelled Mother Dragoran, rushing in, her mouth agape. Get her onto the front porch now. Moving swiftly, Jake swept Rebecca up in his arms and carried her to the swing seat overlooking the front drive. Rebecca lay motionless and Mrs. Tregoran covered her with blankets, then held her hand. It's okay now, love, she soothed. You're okay. Everything will be okay now. Jake sat in shock. What had just happened? If anything, Rebecca was always the strong one. What was going on? What had he done? He gazed into her upturned face. She was so pale, yet so beautiful. And at that moment, he hated himself more than he had ever done. Watching him closely, Mother Tregoran hated him too. Then, in the next breath, she gave thanks. He would finally put right all he had done wrong. And this is why you couldn't see her until now, she said shortly, before leaving and praying he would get it right this time. Jake brushed a wisp of hair away from Rebecca's face, and she opened her eyes. No. She pulled back instinctively. Get off me, Jake. I don't need your sympathy. She was awake now and struggling to get away. She wriggled and writhed, but Jake would not let her go. Sympathy? You frustrating, irritating gift of a woman. I don't sympathize with you. I love you. Do you hear me, Rebecca? I've been an idiot. A blind fool. So much has happened this last year. It's been a mess. But that's no excuse. I should have been there for you. He paused, long enough to know she was listening. Look at me. Jake's voice was gruffer than usual. He was clearly struggling, but Rebecca refused to acknowledge it. Stop staring. She turned away brusquely. No, Rebecca, I won't. Then her eyes filled with tears, which cut Jake to his very core. But he bit down hard, sat upright, and turned his whole body to face her. Hey, come on. This is me, remember? Your toothless wonder? He waited for the corners of Rebecca's mouth to turn upwards, as he hoped they would. Then brushing the stains from her cheeks, he turned her to face him. Rebecca Tregoran, I've loved you ever since you told me I couldn't fish for toffee. 
I've loved you ever since I saw you talking to the trees on the way to school. And I've loved you since the day you played football barefoot because you didn't have time to put your shoes on. He looked down at her pretty pink toes. Who needs shoes anyway? She quipped. This gave Jake courage. He placed his forefinger under her chin and coaxed her face upwards to meet his. There has never been anyone for me but you, Rebecca. Please believe that. From somewhere deep within, Rebecca found the courage to meet his gaze. You've had a hard time showing it. Any man in his right mind would have looked away in shame. But Jake Fairmore wasn't thinking straight. He was mesmerised. The last time they had sat on this swing together, he was about to leave Fort Denning for good. It seemed like a lifetime away now. You're so beautiful, he whispered. And I've never wanted you more than at this very moment. He cupped his warm hand around the nape of Rebecca's neck. She pulled back intuitively, but Jake held strong. But he knew he must be gentle. Rebecca was a sacred bird trapped in his cage, and if he were not careful, he might devour her. Rebecca. The muscles in his arms were tense, his gaze so determined. Had his heart always beat so heavy? He needed her and he was here to claim what was his. Rebecca closed her eyes and breathed in Jake's thick scent. How she'd yearned for him every night since that day in the foyer, even though he left her confused, upset and alone. She should fight him. She should stand her ground and fight him. But she no longer had the strength. He was here, at last, and he hadn't shied away from her like she thought he would. He hadn't even seemed to notice she was a shadow of what she once was. She drank in his breath as it brushed her cheek. It was steeped in whiskey and determination, torment and betrayal. And suddenly she was scared, scared he would demand too much. Was she strong enough? This was a man in every sense of the word, fierce and determined. Then all at once his soft warm lips met hers, gently, ever so gently. And Rebecca realised she had nothing to fear. It was as though he was frightened to hurt her. But how wrong he was, how wrong he had always been. Now it was she who wanted more. She was Rebecca Dragoran and she would have more. 
She had dreamed of this moment for so long. He had denied her this for too long. The taste of him, the smell of him, his fingertips on her skin, his glorious masculinity. She parted her lips to draw him in. She was no longer a caged bird. She was Rebecca Tregoran and she was free to demand what he should have given her all those months ago. Free to claim his strength for her own, that she might admonish him for his shortcomings. But there was nothing to admonish now. He was here, and he was hers, completely, utterly. And when his muscular chest heaved with excitement in recognition of the fiery temptress he had only ever dreamed of, Rebecca dived in once more desperate to receive the love she deserved, and the love Jake Fairmore owed her. It was over a week before they left for Fort Scott Lake. Every evening since the wedding was spent at the Imperial every day in the mountains and the garden and by Denning Lake. There were but a few moments when Jake left Rebecca's side, and when he did, he yearned for her more than he had ever done. As each day passed, Rebecca became more and more her old self. Her skin glowed, her eyes sparkled, and her body came alive with the expectation each night brought. Jake was everything she had expected him to be and more. And as the days went on, and the passion between them grew deeper still, she regained the confidence to take charge. But she was still nervous when he spoke about returning to meet his father. I'm not sure I can go back, Jake, she said. I'm not sure I want to go back. At this, Jake had held her close, stroked her hair, and kissed each cheek so delicately, she melted once again. Then we won't, my darling, he said. We won't do anything you don't want to do. We can stay here as long as you want, Red, as long as you want. But Rebecca could not ignore the light in Jake's eyes when he spoke of his father, and she knew she must be brave for him. Okay, well, when I fall will you pick me up? When I stumble will you tell me you love me? Then overcome with a sudden burst of emotion, her body shook with many sobs. Jake carried her to the bed and wrapped her tight in its soft blankets before laying down beside her. Of course I will. You're my life now, Rebecca, my life. Without you I will be nothing. You were my best friend as a child and you are my best friend now. He stroked her hair and held her close as her breath became slower 
and more shallow. Then realizing it was now or never, he said, I wanted to do this at the house, but anyway. He reached into his bag and pulled out a small box. I had this made for you, Red. I've no right to assume you will accept it. I know that. But I'm begging you. Please, make me the happiest man alive. He waited patiently for a response, but when he looked down into Rebecca's face, he saw she had fallen asleep with the weight of it all. They left the Imperial the next night and took the 722 to Fort Scott Lake. Mrs. Tregoran would join them in the next few days, but for now it would be just the two of them adjusting to new places and making new memories. And as the old steam train trundled along the long track south, Jake Fairmore and Rebecca Tregoran sat as close as two people can, their fingers intertwined. Rebecca looked down at her wedding finger. It held a bright, shiny new diamond, identical to the one in her little black book. I love this design. I think I've seen it somewhere before. And shooting her a knowing smile, Jake replied, You may well have done, my darling. It's one of a kind, just like the girl who designed it. And as the puffs of steam rose high to join the cool night air, Jake Fairmore and Rebecca Dragoran made plans together for all the wonderful things they would achieve as master and mistress of the prestigious Cartwright clan. The End Thank you for listening. I hope to see you all back again soon for my next romantic story. Thank you.